<laughs> Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Luke. Um, yeah, it's awesome to see so many people here today. I'm really excited to share God's word with everyone. Um, yeah, as, as Luke mentioned, I'll be, I'll be really real with you guys. I've had an interesting week. I don't know what it is about children and this heat, but it is not a good combination. We have had some highs, we have had some lows, but oh my word, I don't know what's happened, but the girls have been very up and down this week, and I have been finding a spare 20, 30 minutes each day to be praying and prepping for my sermon today. So like I say, I got a little bit stressed and a bit wound up about, you know, why did I agree to preach? This was a silly idea. And um Anyway, I got to Friday and I thought, Do you know what? I've I've got it covered. I've got it sorted. I know what I'm I've prepared. I knew what I was preaching on. I I had it all planned. And uh, it got to Saturday morning. So yesterday, yesterday morning, now I was Kerry Blesser was coming over for a couple of hours and I was just going to talk through my sermon and I I knew what I was saying. And I just felt a little nudge. And I just had like this little idea and it was a uh, I just felt God say, "Are you hungry?" I was like, oh, that's interesting. And um, I just kind of mulled on it for a, a little while. And I like, are you hungry? And I was thinking, mm, is God talking to me right now or am I making something up in my head? And I thought, no, I think, I think he may be saying something. So 20 minutes later, I was kind of getting that nudge again. And I sat down with my Bible, I had my laptop out, I had my notes. And I thought, okay, let's just do a bit of preparation now. And again, are you hungry? I was like, oh, come on, Lord, please don't change my sermon right now. I've spent hours this week trying to prep it and I'm finally sorted and I fear you're going to change it. And he did. So I'll be honest with you. This is not a super polished sermon. I've had 24 hours. But what I do know is that actually the Holy Spirit has placed this message on my heart. And I pray that it's going to work through you guys, uh, through me um, to you guys this morning. So um, just very quickly, can we just dim these lights a tad? Sorry, just feeling slightly blinded. Um, so yeah, are you hungry? What goes in must come out. That is how things work. We eat food, it leaves. So believe it or not, the seed of my sermon is slightly odd, so forgive me. But it actually came when I was changing Hope's nappy yesterday morning. Yes, I am talking about baby poo. Don't worry, it won't last long, but it is the seed to my sermon. So I apologize because this is probably the weirdest intro you may ever hear. But hey, it might help you remember the message. And sometimes we have to be uncomfortable to grow a little bit. So bear with me. Baby poo, what goes in must come out. Hope has been on breast milk for the past six months now. Her poos are pretty gross, as any baby poo is, but... To be honest, there's a sort of sweetness to them when it's just breast milk. It's really not that bad. Dylan and other dads may disagree, but as a mum, I'm not too affected by it. Now, Hope is now on solids, and she has been for the past six, uh, well, she has been for the past few weeks. She's basically eating veggies and maybe a little bit of Weetabix. So it's all pretty healthy stuff. Now, what she, what she eats, it comes out, I'm not going to lie, it basically looks the same. Um, now, with Maya Grace, it might smell a little bit different, but with Maya Grace, she, she was obsessed with blueberries, and she still is. Now, blueberries are really expensive, but when they eat them, you think, okay, they're getting all those antioxidants, it's really good for them, it's fine. Maya Grace was eating them, and they were literally coming out whole. And I was like, 
are you serious? Like, what is the point of me buying blueberries? Yeah, it's like, yeah, not re definitely not reusing them. We never did, we never ever, we never did that, just to clarify. Oh my word. As babies and young children, they mostly eat fruits and veggies, and what they eat it, and what comes out of them really is okay. But Maya Grace, she's now older. She's eating all sorts of foods. She eats good foods. She's eating carbs and proteins and meats, and sometimes a bit of sugar, as we all know and love. And so stuff that's also not as good. And I can tell you now, and she will probably kill me for this in like 10 years' time if she ever hears back to this sermon, but her poop stinks. So praise the Lord that she can use a toilet because, my word, I don't think Dylan and I could survive doing those nappies for very much longer. Um, so if you don't know me, my name's Anna, and I've got two young children, as you can probably tell. The conversations that we tend to have with friends at the moment does revolve around baby poo, but you get the gist. What goes in must come out. So as adults, what we listen to, what we watch, what we read, what comes in, it comes out as well. Studies have shown, and I think it's also a pretty obvious outcome, that children that are watching violent TV programs or playing violent video games, they start to imitate what they see. And yeah, <laughs> they imitate what they see. Maya Grace would very happily spend the entire day imitating what I do, whether that's cooking or cleaning or baking. Yesterday, for example, she said, Mummy, I'd like a fruit smoothie. So I thought, oh, okay, well, I'm just, you know, doing a few things and then we can do that. Bless her heart. She'd got out the fruit jug. She found our hand blender. She'd got the frozen fruit out of the freezer and she'd poured it all over the floor. She wants to imitate exactly what I'm doing, even if it's not quite how, how I do. So children love to imitate. And we do the same as adults. Most of what's on Netflix at the moment, unfortunately, is following a non-Christian agenda. Watching certain programs or series ingrains into us a different way of living, whether that's violence, perhaps um, non, um, whether it's marital disunity, pornography, these things are all being normalized. And our children, our teenagers, young adults, they're all watching it too. We can start imitating these unhealthy behaviours if we're not careful. So we really must be on guard. Jim Ron, a motivational speaker, said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The people you spend the most time with shapes you. They determine the conversations that dominate your attention. I can tell you who Dylan has usually spent time with in the day by the language he is speaking in the after, afternoon or the evening. Often, if he's had lunch with the property guys, I, know, I can hear different words that he's sort of picked out that he hears over and over. And I can think, yeah, he's, he's had the property guys around today. Who we hang around with really does affect who we are. And this morning, I'm going to read through a couple of Bible stories, one of them being Jesus feeding the 5,000, and the second is the widow with a little oil. So my prayer is this morning that your faith is stirred by these two miracles and that you leave church today convicted by what God can, will and wants to do in your life. So point one, I've got two points today. So first one, are you hungry? We all have an appetite for food. To be hungry, there's a need, there's a wanting. I'm sure we've all experienced that rumbling tummy, that, that pain that sends a signal to your brain saying you are hungry. However, do we have a spiritual hunger? Do we need the word, prayer, God to survive? Your answer to this should be yes. 
We can't be living off church once a week on a Sunday to sustain us through the entire week. If we ate once a week, we may be able to survive, but I don't think we'd achieve very much just eating a day a week. When we eat physical food, we grow. Similarly, when we eat up and read the word of God, we grow with our, we grow and our faith grows too. It has amazed me watching Maya Grace and Hope grow to the size they've become just on breast milk alone. And now they're eating solids day on day. You see the changes that are happening in their bodies. It's incredible to watch. And God has, God has created our bodies. He has given us the ability to grow, for our skin to expand, our muscles and organs to grow as we do. We all have an appetite for food because that is how God created us. So let's be stirring up an appetite for his word. One of the most famous stories in the Bible is feeding the 5,000. A classic children's Bible story at Sunday school. So I'm going to read it now from Mark 6 verse 30 to 44. If you want to join me, um, I think the word should come up as well. Thank you. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quieter place and get some rest. Can everyone say rest? So they went away by themselves to a boat in a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them. Can you say recognized? And ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Everyone say shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to them. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he said, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take almost a year's wages. Can you say a year's wages? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate. Can you say all ate? And were satisfied. And the disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. I can imagine that the 5,000 men, and bear in mind that's 5,000 men excluding women and children, were full of food and faith by this point. I can imagine they would have ran home, stirred with excitement as to what they'd learnt that day, what they'd been taught and what they had seen, the miracle of the multiplication of the bread and fish. They were spiritually and physically fed that day. No doubt the disciples would also have been amazed at the, the miracles that were witnessed. So I'm going to focus on some specific verses now. I don't know if it will come up on the screen, but I'll read them out to you guys. So verse 34 says, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
So he began teaching them many things. There are so many people in our community, in our city of Milton Keynes, that don't know Jesus. They need God. They are sheep without a shepherd at the moment. Many of them are searching for that food. They're searching for a faith, but they're going to the wrong things and they're looking to the wrong people. This is why we need to be reaching out to them. So a very quick promotion to Sarah, Ezra and Grace, who I know are starting an outreach team. Do go find them and speak to them after the service if you'd like to get involved in that, because it's going to be absolutely awesome. And that is one way that we can be reaching out to those that are currently lost. I love these girls' hearts. It stirs me, and I really pray that it stirs you as well. So at the end of that verse, it says, So he began teaching them many things. Jesus was teaching. They weren't just fed food, which is often what we remember from the story. They received God's word. If I'm really honest, I'd actually forgotten that detail from the story, but I believe it's so important. The 5,000 men were there to hear God's word. The fact that they were also fed was a bonus but it's not why they were there. They were hungry for God's word and perhaps their faith stirred, stirred everyone up and actually was what helped with the multiplication. Their faith produced the multiplication of food along with the fact that Jesus was there. In verse 36, it says, send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. The teaching was over. It was time to go home. And I can imagine the disciples, and I'm sure Dylan and many introverts in the room would be able to relate. But after a long day of teaching in the sun, it's finally time to go home. Praise the Lord. But no, Jesus had other ideas. Jesus put the hearts, the souls and the tummies of all of those first. He put the community in front of him before all else. In verse 37, it says, but he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take nearly a year's wages. Are we going to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Now, for the disciples as humans, there was a significant, impossible cost involved. involved. But for Jesus, he knew that there was a miracle about to happen. What was the cost of them not being fed? The cost of them not being fed is that they wouldn't have witnessed the miracle of the multiplication of the food. Jesus had taught, as we can see at the beginning. He taught. He gave the theory of all the things that were happening. And then he applied it. He applied the theory and they saw the miracle. What is the cost of spending time with Jesus? Perhaps it's not watching another episode of your favorite TV series or waking up early. Perhaps not sleeping in till 10 a.m. Parents can only dream. One day, one day, babe, we'll get there. Um, not, doing, not doing all of these things would probably be a bit of a, a foreign concept to non-believers. You know, maybe not being able to catch up with a friend or missing out on a football game. But what do we need to sacrifice to grow our faith? Like I say, Some of these things may be a foreign concept to non-believers and some of your friends, and they may think that you are absolutely crazy. However, at some point, they will see that that you are different. They'll capture your spirit and they'll see the joy that you carry and they'll want to know more. You may be the only version of the gospel that that they ever see. So make sure that you are the light, you are the salt in their lives, and you are shining for Jesus in this world. 
In the persecuted church, they are imprisoned and often killed for their faith. Yet they have a faith like no other. They memorize Bible verses. They'll scribble it down on little bits of paper from what they can remember. They'll share them with each other. And then they'll memorize it and they'll pass it on to the next person to memorize. They spend day and night in prayer. I challenge you guys and I challenge myself as much as you. But do we need to be made uncomfortable for our faith to be stirred? I know I am certainly challenged by this. And perhaps in your life, the enemy may be having his way by making you so comfortable. He's not ruining your life, but he's actually making it so comfortable and so easy that you don't think you need God. And you don't therefore have a faith. So I would really challenge you to see what, what is God doing in your life and do you need to be made uncomfortable for your faith to be stirred? Looking on to verse 42, it says, They all ate and were satisfied. They had fed on God's word and the food and were satisfied. You may be sitting here today, anxious, depressed, insecure, alone, afraid. But I ask you to allow God to satisfy you with his word. Allow him to do a mighty work in you, to bring you joy, to bring you peace. Because we love a God who saves, who restores, who redeems. Not only were the 5,000 satisfied, but there was food left over. God used that little boy to do a mighty miracle with the little that he had. So on to my second point, God uses the little we have. You may be saying, I have got nothing to give. There is nothing, there is nothing here, there is nothing there. I don't know about you, but when I say that, quite often the Holy Spirit just gives me a, a gentle tap on the so so shoulder, a little nudge. Perhaps a Christian friend might come to me and just encourage me with something. I'm very much a work in progress, but I'm learning in time to trust his spirit and sometimes look again. God wouldn't prompt us to look again if there was nothing there. Now, I don't know about the women in the room here. You may have a brother, perhaps your dad, perhaps if you're married, a husband, a boyfriend. But when it comes to looking for something in the kitchen, I don't know what it is, but they have got to look again. They've got to look a second time. It definitely was there the first time. I am telling you guys. I've seen it with my brother. I've seen it with my dad. I've seen it a lot of times with Dylan. The number of times Dylan says or even rings me, babe, we've run out of bacon. Can you pick something up on your way back? Or you've run out of salt. Can you get some? Melissa can testify this. We've probably got four things of salt in our house. Like we will never run out because we always have plenty. The other day, Dylan rang ran out of bacon. There's definitely none left. I, I knew that. I was like, I literally bought a pack yesterday. It's in the fridge. It's under this. It's on the second shelf down. It's not there, babe. It's not there. We have two fridges. Have you looked in both of them? Yes, it's not there. Anyway, I was like, I'm not buying bacon. I'm going to stand my ground. I'm not buying it because I know it's in the fridge. I came home. I opened the fridge. There's the bacon. I did not put it there. It was, it was definitely there the entire time. Dylan was absolutely convinced. However, I also feel like these examples tell you far too much about his diet. So please, please pray, please do pray for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's not go, let's not go that far. Um, like I say, I've, um, anyhow, sometimes, sometimes we do just, we just need to look again. 
And taking, us, taking it back to the Bible, for my second point, I wanted to read through 2 Kings 4 about the widow who had a little oil to show you an example how God uses and can use the little that we have. So if you go flicking your Bibles to 2 Kings 4. Okay, the widow's oil. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is, is dead. And you know that he revered in the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Say slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can, I, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Say your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbours for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars as, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars out to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, Go and sell the oil. Pay your debts and your sons can live on what is left. All God needs is the little we have to fill up our jars. He wants to pour into our empty vessels. This just reiterates that we can't do things in our own strength, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That I have certainly learned in the past 48 hours. God provides, he saves, he knows what we need. God blessed that widow by filling the jars with oil. So I ask you guys, how has God, how has God blessed you? What has he given you so that you can be a blessing to others? God has given us all gifts, whether that be spiritual, physical, financial, emotional, so many different gifts. God can use these gifts he's given us to bless others in our community. Perhaps you are full of joy, faith, peace or hope. Or perhaps you're struggling in your relationships, marriage, work or ministry. Allow God to use what you do have to bless someone. May he use my joy to encourage Dylan in his ministry. God can use Sonia's faith to bless Drew in his work. God can use Em's patience to bless Willem in his ministry and his work. Let's be filling up other people's empty jars to the point of overflowing by sharing our gifts so that we can see the bigger picture of God's fullness, his love and his incredible plans for our lives. I don't know about you, but I find the fruits of these gifts so contagious. When I spend time with Gail and Zelna, or perhaps at our monthly prayer and worship evening, which was incredible this week, by the way, I come away wanting more of the Holy Spirit. I come away feeling stirred and I feel encouraged to pray more. Spending time with Asha, I catch her heart for worship. I spend, when I spend time with each of you, I catch a little bit of what you've got and it stirs me, it stirs my faith. I caught up with Libwani on Monday and even amongst navigating a very, very sassy two-year-old in the sunshine, I caught her passion and her heart to help and love others though that are less fortunate. When I see our true life children running around as crazy as they may be, I catch their joy and their enthusiasm for life. 
When I see the younger generation rising up at True Life Church, their hearts on fire for Jesus, I am full of hope for the future because I know that God is working. If you're not sure what your gifts are and you're thinking, yeah, they've got that, I've got, I don't have this, I don't have much, ask God to tell you, to show you and speak to a close friend to discover your gift. Use these gifts to help yourself and others, building up the community, being hungry for the gifts and soaking God's goodness because what goes in must come out. So I'm going to ask the band maybe to come up. I don't know if you guys have got a, a final song. But um, I'm gonna I'm gonna cl- I'm gonna finish there. I'm gonna close I'm gonna close in prayer. So if everyone can just stand, thank you. So I'm just gonna pray pray for us now. So Father God, give us a hunger for you like we've never had before, a spiritual hunger like the five thousand men, an overwhelming need for your word. In situations where we're desperate. Help us to remember that you use the little that we have. I pray over each and every person here today. I pray we'd leave today convicted by your word. Would a passion for your word rise up and stir in our hearts? And I pray that for anyone that does want more of you, that stirred for more, more, of, your, more of your love, for an increase of faith, I'd just ask you now to to take a step forwards and I'd love to I'd love to pray for you and the leadership team I know would as well. To be honest, I'm hungry for more. My faith is stirred. I think we should all be wanting more of more of God. Do we need to be made uncomfortable to want more or can we go into that now? We are so blessed in the community and the world, the country that we live in at the moment that we can freely worship God. Others don't have that. So Father God, would you, would you work in us now? And yeah, I just would invite people to come to the front. And I'd just love to pray. To pray for every person that comes forwards for a real stirring in their heart, Lord Jesus. I'm just going to give some time as the band plays.